Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord. What wrong did your ancestors find in me that they went far from me and went after worthless things and became worthless themselves? They did not say, Where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that no one passes through, where no one lives? I brought you into a plentiful land to eat its fruits and its good things. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The priests did not say, Where is the Lord? Those who handle the law did not know me. The rulers transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and went after things that do not profit. Therefore, once more, I accuse you, says the Lord, and I accuse your children's children. Cross to the coasts of Cyprus and look. Send to, to Kedar and examine with care. See if there has ever been such a thing. Has a nation changed its gods even though they are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for something that does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, says the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and dug out cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that can hold no water. The second scripture we're going to hear is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verse 1, and then verses 7 through 14. You can follow along in the Pew Bible on page 77. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case somebody more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both you, both of you may come and say to you, Give this person your place, and then in disgrace you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous." The sermon title today was Table Manners. So for fun this week, I went looking online for places that gave etiquette advice about table manners. And I learned a lot of things I want you to know. I learned, for example, I love this, you know, it had little headings of how to use a napkin. So I looked up how to use a napkin. Do you know that when you're using a napkin, you shouldn't get it dirty? <laughs> you're supposed to just kind of like... You're supposed to eat neatly and just kind of dab with your napkin. 
because your hostess is supposed to know that you're not going to dirty up the linens. And then, but then it also told us what we're allowed to eat with our fingers. I like this too. You're allowed to, it started with artichokes and it went on to asparagus. It says you can eat asparagus with your fingers as long as it doesn't have a sauce or it's not mushy. So I thought, well, that's pretty good advice. <laughs> uh, it also said you can eat sandwiches with your fingers. I'm, I, aren't you glad to know that? Did you know this? This is something I already knew. When, when someone asks you to pass the salt, do you know what you're supposed to do? I heard it, somebody said it. Pass the salt and the pepper. That's the, that's the proper thing to do. But here was my favorite. They had instructions on how to take food back out of your mouth again. <laughs> so that, they said basically the way you put it in is the way you take it back out. So if you've eaten an olive and it has a pit, you're allowed to spit it back out into your hand. But other things, if you put it in with a fork, you're supposed to take it out with a fork. But if it's unsightly, you're supposed to spit it into your napkin. <laughs> so, but I don't know how you're supposed to do that without getting your napkin dirty. So, <laughs> I, I really had a lot of fun doing this. You know, some of these things, though, are just about manners, are just plain common sense. You know, it, uh, some, of the, some of the sources kind of imply that Americans don't really care about manners anyways. But some things are just common sense. You know that if you're offered something, even if you refuse it, you should not do it in a rude way. And basically, if you're offered something and you're in company, you take it, whatever it is, and very politely at least eat, try to eat some of it. That is the polite thing to do. That's why it is so shocking to the prophet Jeremiah, speaking for the Lord, that the people have refused what the ultimate host has given them. What God has offered to them. God says, I brought your, your, uh, you out of slavery, and I took you through that wilderness and took care of you all this time, and I'm offering you living water. Isn't this shocking that you've been offered this by the host, this fine food? And what have the people of Israel done? They have refused it. They've refused, the, refused this food. They've refused God and turned to no gods. Why? Why in the world would you do that? We know the basic etiquette at a table is to take what is offered. And how can people have refused God and built? There's that wonderful metaphor, these cracked cisterns. God offers a fountain of living water. And what do the people do? They dig faulty cisterns and drink stale, polluted water instead of the living water God offers. Even we know that that is not proper that that is absolutely, as the prophet says, shocking. Now, we may be a little bit careless of our table manners, but you know that there are times when you wish you really knew what to do right, and that is when you're in a situation where you know people will be watching you and you're in a little over your head, and then you're thinking, I hope I remember which fork to use and all of those things, and I wish I had studied that a little more. All of us have probably been in a situation at some point where we were under scrutiny, right, when we were eating. I remember the first time I went to, he's going to, Chris is going to know I'm going to tell the story. The first time I went to Chris's house to meet his family, and that's exactly how I felt. There's his sisters and his mom, and we all sat down to dinner, and we were eating the famous old baked spaghetti. And we sat down, and I swear, I took that first forkful of food, and everybody went like this. <laughs> Well, I managed not to disgrace myself with that spaghetti, but you need to know that the first time Chris and I ever ate lunch together, he dropped his whole tray of food, and his spaghetti was all over his shoes. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but I still married him. <laughs> Jesus was eating at the house of a Pharisee. And that first verse says, and they, he was closely watched. And I just, I just could see that picture. They're sitting there, or lying, actually. They would have been reclining at the table. They would have all been gathered around, and they were all watching. Now, you're supposed to understand from these words that they're not watching him in a friendly way. They're waiting for him to make a mistake. This is hostile watching. They're just all gathered around looking at Jesus. He's going to do something. I know he's going to do something. And sure enough, he did. We actually didn't read the part. He starts off right away with healing a man at this uh, supper party, and it's the Sabbath. This is a companion piece to the story we read last week about the, the crippled woman being healed on the Sabbath. So right away, he gets that out of the, out of the way. He does something that they uh, consider rude right at the beginning by healing on the Sabbath in the house of a Pharisee. But then it goes on. I love this. It flips. He's being closely watched. And then it says, but he's watching them. And he watches that little game they play. And it's really not a little game about who sits where. This was, this was an actually huge game. And this was no game at all. This was deadly serious in the society that Jesus lived in. Status. Honor. Patronage. This was a big deal. All of society had extremely specific places where you were located socially. And you behaved accordingly. And, you, and if you did it wrong, you were in a lot of trouble. Jesus was getting in trouble all the time for this. There were very specific locations for people. And a meal was like a microcosm of all of society. When you sat down at a meal, you could tell exactly who ranked how by where they were sitting. And here's, this is really interesting. Not only did it matter like where you sat, you know, and, and you could tell the ranking from that, people who sat in different places were often even served different types of food. The people at the higher places got the better food, the better wine. People at the lower places got lesser food. You were served, can you imagine having a party and serving different food to different guests based on their social standing? But this was an accepted practice in Jesus' day. It was, and he was in the city at this point, so it would have been, been even more visible that there were delineations between the different parts of society. In the city, there was a wall around the city, and then there were walls around different, like, enclaves in the city, and walls around houses, walls dividing people. And certain people never went past certain walls. You would never have found the poor, the lame, the blind, the crippled, inside the walls where Jesus was sitting at that Pharisee's dinner. It was incredibly structured. It was this ceremonial dance of who am I and where do I belong? And Jesus is watching this. And it says he starts to tell them a parable. Now when you hear that, that it's a parable, don't you kind of expect it to say, now once upon a time. But instead, he starts saying to them, when you go to a dinner, this is how you should place yourself. And it kind of sounds, it's a surprise, isn't it? Because it kind of sounds like, well, he's just giving them some social advice. That's kind of odd. Why would Jesus be giving them an advice, advice about kind of how to play the game and where to sit at dinner? That doesn't sound much like a parable. In fact, it's not even that unusual advice. 
If you were to read uh, different moralists and philosophers of that time, of the first century, they were saying some of the same things, that you, know, you can do this little maneuvering at a dinner to get invited up to a higher place. So Jesus is not saying something unusual. And you can imagine his hearers kind of going, well, yeah, okay, we can agree with that. Now here, but he hooks them then. This is how a parable actually works. A parable draws you in by introducing a known element and then draws you into the world of God's kingdom and opens up a whole other world. And the key word here is for all those, Jesus says at the very end of this little piece, he says, for all those or for everyone who humbles themselves will be exalted and those who exalt themselves will be humbled. He's taken this advice that they think, oh, that's interesting table advice, and he expands it into telling you, I am telling you something about the kingdom of God. Pay attention. For all those who humble themselves will be exalted. And those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And you didn't act humbly. It wasn't a virtue in those days to act humbly. And Jesus is saying, listen up. This is the way the kingdom of God is going to work. And then he goes on with kind of a companion parable addressed now to the host of the dinner, the Pharisee who's hosting this dinner, and talks about whom to invite to dinner. And that was also a big deal in those days. When you invited someone, they had to invite you back. There was kind of automatic reciprocity there. And in fact, a lot of times people would have to refuse a dinner invitation if they couldn't afford to invite the host back again. So there was a lot of little stuff that went on with the dinner invitations. And so this was a familiar, again, he's pulling them in with something that's familiar to them. Well, who do I invite to a dinner? And Jesus is telling them, invite those people who are outside the walls, physically outside the walls. And they, these were people who were not only not invited to dinner, they couldn't worship in places in the temple. They couldn't belong to all kinds of societies. They, they were excluded in some religious circles, people believed that the poor and the lame and so on wouldn't even make it into the kingdom and sit at God's banqueting table because they were imperfect. They had decided that the, they had decided the kingdom was just like the world that they lived in. And Jesus says, these are the people you invite. And again, he takes what they know and he turns it around and he says, I'm going to tell you something about the way the kingdom works and it doesn't work the way the world works. And if you invite these people, you will have a special blessing, because guess what? They're going to be the ones in the kingdom at the resurrection. And that's why you'll get a blessing. In fact, you should specifically invite the people who can't invite you back, because that's the way the kingdom works. See, the kingdom isn't like the world. We have a tendency to want to imagine God's kingdom and heaven kind of like the world we know. We like to kind of model it after our world. And what Jesus is doing with these two little pieces is saying, you're not supposed to model the kingdom after the world. You're supposed to model the world after the kingdom. You're supposed to behave in the here and now as it will be in God's kingdom. So you invite those people, and you act humbly, and, and you receive what the host has given you. You have to live like there's no tomorrow. That is, the kingdom isn't coming tomorrow. The kingdom is here and now, today. When we take communion like we did this morning, we are having a kingdom moment. 
because we are saying we are all sitting at the same table, sharing in the same Christ. There are no divisions. We are all equal. We are all experiencing the love and grace and forgiveness of God. That is the kingdom now. And that is God's table etiquette. And may we live it as God does, with humility and generosity and love towards everyone. Amen.